This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insiders Podcast, where we take you to what's changing in the industry, and we take you to the folks who are driving that change in the industry. My name is Donnie Shelton. I am the owner of newly formed Triangle Home Services, which, I've, you know, this is a little different than what I normally say there, Dan. I don't know if this means, if you can imagine right now, I have my pinky out, just, I'm, I'm drinking a seltzer water. And so, Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest Control and newly formed Triangle Lawn Care, as well as the CEO of Colmarch, a company that offers digital marketing and sales services for the home services industry, specifically in pest and lawn. And with me, as always, is Mr. Dan Gordon, who I can see, if you can visualize, he also has his pinky out. He's not drinking a seltzer water, though. I think it might be a problem. So, Dan, would you like to say hello and introduce our guest? Absolutely. Hello. I'm very excited about today's guest. Uh, today's guest is Tim Mulrooney, and uh, we're having him back on the podcast. He was actually one of the original guests. I think he was our second guest. Spoke to him last Good. September in 2020, um, and he's an analyst uh, uh, in the commercial services sector for uh, William Blair and Company, uh, an investment bank. And uh, we published together uh, a monthly pest index uh, that uh, is derived from data from PCO bookkeepers. And, uh, and uh, the pest uh, index tracks the monthly performance of several uh, different US pest markets, including residential, commercial, and termite. And I can't be more excited to talk to Tim and see what his thoughts are on the index and uh, the industry in general. So uh, welcome. Dan, Donnie, thanks for having me here. Uh, great to be back. You bet. Great to have you. So, hey, uh, so we've been doing this pest index for nine months now, and uh, let's talk about it. Uh, and in particular, the first half of 2021. What have you learned since launching the index last year, and where do you think things stand? Um, how's it doing? Yeah, thanks, Dan. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, this has been um, a great learning experience for me, um, you sharing uh, all, all the data that, that you share with us on um, over 150 different pest control companies uh, across, I think it's 30 different states. And although we've been doing this for nine months, we actually have five years worth of data. So it goes back quite a ways, monthly data, um, and and so just I, I, I've spent hours and hours and hours digging through this stuff. Uh, sep, you know, we we separate it between residential, commercial, termite, bed bug, and total. We used to have a door-to-door -door index. Uh, we don't we don't include that anymore. Um, it's it's changes so rapidly um, that we set that aside. But it's it's been really cool organizing and analyzing and synthesizing all this data to, to try to understand um, what's actually going on 
in the pest control market. And, and, and what I've learned a couple things. Um, the first thing that I've learned is how, um, how accurate this index is relative to the public pest control companies that I cover. So if you look at the, if you look at the, um, if you, if you look at the total pest control market, uh, you know, Rollins and Terminix are each about 20%. So they, they, their, their revenue is in the billions. And what you and I are looking at is 300, 400, 500, million dollars worth of revenue, which is a good chunk, but it, it's just a piece of what um, Rollins and Terminix do, but it's been incredibly predictive, incredibly predictive to their results. And if you combine our index with their results, you're representing a, a really big piece of the overall US pest control market, and it matches, it's highly correlated, um, which tells me that we're on the right track here um, what our index is telling us is actually what's happening on the ground. And I get calls all the time from folks that say, hey, you know, uh, your index was up really strong this, this February, March, and April. We're, we're not seeing those kind of numbers. And, and I caution folks, look, I wouldn't, benchmarking, benchmarking is important, but, but I, I wouldn't, if our, if our residential index was up, you know, 20% in March of 2021, and you're only up 10%. That that's not that's not the right way to benchmark. It's it's hey, March 21 was accelerated from February 21. Something here is happening in the marketplace. Am I also seeing that? That's the way that I think about it. And what we've seen is a massive slowdown uh, in the commercial index in 2020. Residential held up surprisingly well throughout 2020. That index you know, surprised me. I thought that um, you know, the slowdown that we saw in April, May, and June would lasted through July, August, September, but that's not what we saw at all. We saw a huge comeback in the residential index in the second half of 2020, and then um, a, a major spike in, in the first half of 2021 here. Yes, it has easier comps, but there's a little secret, uh, or not a secret, but there's a little methodology that we use here and research to say, look at the two-year stacked comp. And that's a way to look at things on a two-year basis. And even if you look at it on a two-year basis, so negating the easy comparison with last year, the, the residential pest market in 2021 is extraordinarily strong and resilient. And part of that is probably work from home. I mean, maybe we can all three uh, you know, try to postulate as to why that is. But at the end of the day, that, that is what the numbers are telling us is that it's very strong. And then on the commercial side, well, commercial's coming back. Commercial's coming back stronger than we expected and earlier than we expected, confirmed by the index, confirmed by uh, the, the private companies that, that call in and talk to me and say, we're booming right now. Um, not everybody, you know, I had someone from Georgia call me last week and say, we're not really seeing that resurgence in commercial that everyone's seeing. I'm not saying that this is 100%, but but for the most part, we're getting lots of folks calling in saying, yes, that, that resurgence is, is happening, and, and it's happening sooner and stronger than we expected. And on the termite side, I would say, I don't know. Uh, you know, the termite side has been very predictive uh, for Rollins and Terminix, and that's been great. 
but it's all over the board. It was actually, Dan, we just published your uh, May numbers uh, yesterday and termite was down sequentially and down year over year quite a bit, um, but it was strong in May of 20. So it's just, I, I don't know what to say about the termite index. It actually has been very predictive for Rollins and Terminix, but am I picking up any discernible trends in termite uh, other than it was very strong? I guess the one thing that, that I noticed that most people agree in is that it was very strong in the fourth quarter of 2020, and, and that was a little bit unexpected. But as far as the termite index for 2021, it surprises me every month. It's kind of been all over the board, but generally it's been up mid single to high single digit. Um, so the, the, those are some of the things that I've taken early on, uh, but the general point that I wanted to convey today, and thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to do that, is the index is not to, is not to say if the index, if the residential index is up 10% and you're only up 6% that you're doing something wrong, um, that's not that's not how benchmarking is is supposed to be used it's hey the index has been getting stronger lately over the last several months uh are we also getting stronger lately or the index has gotten weaker over the last several months yeah that tracks with what we have been seeing it's more of to be used as a directional gut check for your business so when we look at uh, the the uh, may numbers that we just uh, published and then obviously we'll be doing June, but that will come late in July. When is the, when are the earnings calls for the, the second half for the public company so that we can see if we're still correlated with, with uh, uh, Yeah, um, so Rollins always comes early. Uh, Rollins is on the forefront of quote unquote earnings season. They're always one of the first to go. Actually, Rollins and Ecolab are, and then Terminix is always later, uh, more in line with most what, what most public companies do. So you'll see Rollins and Ecolab report in late July, whereas most folks wait until early August. That's when Terminix will report is early August. I don't know if our June number will come out before or after Rollins reports, but that's okay uh, because we still have April and May. I still have two thirds of their quarter already baked into my numbers now because of what this index has enabled us to do. Uh, so it's, it's been very useful. And um, I don't know um, if you, if could I take a moment, I guess, to talk about what I mean by predictive? Absolutely. Well, we're gonna go there, so you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Is it is that for later, Donnie? Should yeah, I we're gonna. I, well, I'm gonna ask you to put on, you know, to get your crystal ball out and talk about, you know, what's what's the remainder of this year and what are you thinking for next year. So it may be a great way for you to start with talking about predictive and then rolling that into, I don't know, musings and pontifications as to what's going to be happening in for the remainder of 2021 and then 2022. And by the way. We're recording, so we will make sure that we thought. No, I'm joking. So um, <laughs> <laughs> make sure that you bring this out it. at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, bring it back out. So what you said? Weatherman no, I'm joking. But it, stock analysts, yeah. weatherman yeah. and stock analysts. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, weatherman and stock analysts. Well, so let's start yeah. there and then roll into what you think. Let's do that. It's fine. I got PMs holding my feet to the fire all the time, so uh, you just add you guys to the to the long list of people. But um. What I mean by predictive is there's this um, statistic 
in, in statistics, if anyone's ever taken statistics, you talk about the correlation. And the correlation is a, is a way to measure, um, uh, you know, how, how, well, how, how closely correlated something is to, to the next thing. So if the number is one and it goes to two, and the other index is 10 and it goes to 20, well, that's perfectly correlated, right? The numbers don't have to be the same. They just have to move in the same direction at the same magnitude. If you have perfect correlation, then your correlation is 1.0. If, if you have no correlation, then, um, then it's zero. And if you, have, you can have a negative correlation of one, which is if my number goes from one to two and your number goes from 20 to 10, that would be a perfect negative correlation of one. So this is just how closely does something track? And, um, and then there's another number called R squared, which, which is saying how much a variable A can be explained by variable B. This is useful in my industry and a lot of different industries. And the, the example I often give is like real estate. So how much is a house price um, determined by square footage is a common one. Okay, so if, and, and R squared goes up to one. So if square footage it explains 50% of your house price relative to your neighbor's house price, uh, that's, then it would have an R squared of 0 0.5. And if it, if, um, uh, how about uh, proximity to good schools? Maybe that's an R squared of 0 0.2. That explains 0 0.2 of it. Proximity to um, water, if you have a lakefront property or near, near, a, near an ocean, that'll have an R squared of X. So you add up all those R squares and basically you have this, okay, your house price is determined this much by square footage, this much by proximity to schools or in good neighborhoods, X, Y, Z. It helps explain uh, the different uh, factors that, that are the ultimate determinants of how much your house it, um, price is. Can, we can, can do- say, I was gonna say, can I just make one point here though? Cause I think a, a lot of our listeners need to make sure, I wanna make sure they understand it. You know causation is not correlation and correlation is not causation and i used to do i know dan has seen this presentation i don't think you've seen it tim but i used to do explain this with you know taking just stupid statistics and moving them over to each other and then showing how they were actually correlated quite well one of them that i used to do was you know global warming and pirates right so as, as pirates <laughs> global warming goes up and it has a great correlation, right? So the, the, the obvious thing there is, well, the way to the way to save or the, the way to save the planet is to add more pirates, right? So no, I just want to make the point that it's an <laughs> indicator, right? It's an indicator. It's not, it, it, I mean, it, it obviously is a factor, but you know, you see this in the news all the time. Well, you eat apples, it's correlated with good health. Well, is it really apples or is it like, well, someone who's eating apples has a great lifestyle, you know? So I, I'm just making the point that it's an indicator. It's not the ultimate indicator that's all does everyone agree with that you can disagree if you I, like I, I agree that correlation is not causation I, I i also believe r squared is a little bit of a different metric than the correlation metric but i do agree correlation is not causation luckily for us in this case we don't care all we right. care we, if pirates and global warming move in tandem then i'm going to start tracking <laughs> I'm going to start tracking pirates because I don't care. Um, in, in, this case, uh, yep. in, in this case, our index has an R squared with residential. Uh, our, our index has an R squared with termite and Row or Terminix and Rollins residential of 0 0.7 or 0 0.87.
Wow. So eight, 87% of, and so it's basically saying that 80% of ter- of Terminix's change in their revenue can be explained by the change in our index. Now, Donnie, to your point, is our index causing changes to Terminix's revenue stream? Of course not. Our index has nothing to do with how, you know, our index is a measurement just like anything else. There's no causation here at all. But as an R squared, uh, if, if our index can 87% of the time correctly predict which direction uh, Terminix's revenue is going to go, I mean, I used to I used to be an industrials analyst, and we would we would show how much of the time you know GE's revenue would match the industrial production index. And if you had an R squared of 0.5, then you were onto something. 0.5 was good enough to say, hey, we should at least be looking at this. 0.87 is off the chart. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about 0.87. That's not something that you typically see in indices predictiveness. Now, this makes perfect sense. Dan's revenue stream is literally pure pure pest control revenue. So it should be very predictive, but indeed it is. And the same goes for our commercial index. It's a little lower, it's 0.85, but still 0.85, not something that you typically see as, um, as, as predictiveness goes. And our termite index, 0.7, but ter- termite is all over the board. So the fact that it's even in the, the fact that it's not 0.3 to me is astonishing. It still is highly predictive. And then the total index overall for Rollins is 0.89 and Terminix is 0.87. Just incredibly high numbers. In other words, what direction our index goes is very, very likely the direction that that, uh, Rollins and Terminix um, uh, revenue goes. I would do a parental kill too, but I, uh, they don't, they don't, uh, I don't think they, they break it out um well enough between residential and, and termite for me to do that they barely they barely break it out um in terms of us and uh total and actually in 2020 they just had this idea that they weren't going to break out organic revenue growth at all uh when things went bad they just said yeah we're, we're not talking about organic growth this year so this the, you know, I don't rental kills basically a, a black box and impossible for me to uh, to do this level. But Rollins and Terminix, they do give. Now, this isn't total growth. This is organic growth. So we're stripping out the acquisitions and saying, hey, how well does the underlying fundamental business match our index? That's what we're doing here. Now, is that is it is rental kill? Is that because it's traded on the London uh, exchange or they have different rules or it's just they can do whatever they want. They have different rules, um, but because um, they they have different rules, but there are public plenty of public companies in the U.S. that don't give this level of detail either. Uh, Terminix and Rollins don't have to give the level of detail that they do. So we are fortunate that we have. Um, that that they do provide that. Uh, some companies are more forthcoming and some companies are are not. Rollins and Terminix are pretty good, believe it or not, because Rollins, that's basically the only thing Rollins is forthcoming about. Rollins uh, does not give you a lot to go on otherwise. Um, 
but but rental kill is like they they stopped reporting organic growth. If Rollins or Terminix did that, we would be up in arms. Yeah. Because so, because it because it, it doesn't tell you how well you're growing. If if they 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 made like 20 acquisitions last year, all of their growth could be coming from that. You know, their base business could be down. We wouldn't know. That's a terrible thing to stop doing from an analyst point of view. But luckily, I don't cover them, so I don't have to worry about it. So so we've so we've established that hey, it you know causation correlation it doesn't really matter as long as the as long as the predictive index holds, it's a great way to predict what's going to happen. We did a pretty good recap of what happened COVID versus how we've started this year. So now let's move on to okay, what's going to happen in your mind in 2021, the remainder of the year, and 2022 in terms of the market. Um, Thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Donnie, uh, for holding my feet to the fire publicly here. <laughs> uh, so here's, I, I think that the residential index is going to remain strong through the remainder of the year um, because the fundamentals driving that, the, the fact that there's low penetration in the United States and that the housing market is very strong. I'm not talking about new housing builds. Anytime an analyst comes on and says, well, new housing is strong, so I think that's good for residential pests, you should stop listening to that person immediately. The, 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 the housing market that I'm talking about is existing homes. When there's more turnover in existing homes, the vast majority of revenue in a residential company, uh, pest control company, is from existing customers at existing homes. New home sales does not matter except unless you're Rollins with your home team business, but even that's a small piece of their overall business. So um, the residential market being strong, the penetration rates being low, the work from home environment tailwind maintaining itself, even, even as we start going back to work, there's a lot of people that are gonna continue to work from home. All of those things pushing the residential index up in, in up and to the right uh, for what I see as the, the foreseeable future. I think that the residential index, despite having uh, some difficult comparisons in the second half of the year here is, is going to hold up very well. Now, will it hold up as well as it has been doing? No, probably not. I mean, if I'm looking at my index right now, Resive's up uh, 24%, 22%, 16% in March, April, and May. Um, does that I expect that that'll probably normalize more to like low double digit, not these super, super strong numbers that we're seeing. Uh, because uh, last year, April and May were up only 1%. And the average for the index is 11 to 12% growth. So 1% was way too low. They had some easy comparisons. But I think it will normalize back to that double digit low. I don't think that you're going to have I don't think that you're expecting a weak residential market in the second half of the year because of all those reasons that I listed. The um, commercial side is um, is going to be interesting. April was the low point last year. And what I told Dan uh, about a month ago was, because I had some people calling in and saying, April, your commercial April index was up 30%. We are not up 30%. I don't know where you're getting those numbers. That sounds extremely strong. I also, by the way, had plenty of people saying, 
they were up that much, if not more, because the economy's fully reopened right now and they were completely shut down. So even making a dollar was a big deal. Um, so uh, up 30% in the context of the entire world shut down in April of 2020 doesn't sound that crazy actually, but um, uh, I think April 2021 will be the peak, not because the market was incredibly, incredibly strong in April 21, but because April 20 was just uh, hor hor horrific. Uh, so um, I think as we move through 2021, you're going to see that commercial index normalize from a peak in April 21 of up 30% in our index. I, bet, I, I think that that will normalize towards the end of the year to the high digit growth range. That's still good, uh, um, but it, it's not going to be, you know, I, I think when you look back, you'll say, okay, the spring of 2021 had very strong numbers on a year over year basis. Interestingly enough, if you look at this on a two year comp basis, so basically I'm comparing May of 21 to May of 19, and and doing what's called a Kager compound annual growth rate. So you take it to the power of one half, one over two. Um, basically, you're getting an average of how this has performed over a two-year basis. Uh, the commercial index was up 9% uh, in March, 7% in April, and 6% in May. In other words, on a two-year basis, excluding all that crazy pandemic stuff, this Commercial business still growing quite nicely. Uh, that's that's six percent in May, six percent annually. It's an average, so six percent in twenty twenty, six percent twenty twenty one. That's what it says on average. That's how fast it's growing. So it's not like well, yeah, May of twenty twenty one was strong, but that's only because May of twenty was down so much. Actually, no. If you normalize for, for that, and you could even compare May of twenty one to May of nineteen. This commercial pest business is growing and growing nicely. Uh, and that's something that I, um, you know, I think surprises people from time to time. Uh, so I think that that's what's going to happen in commercial. You're going to see strong normalization, continued strength in resi, normalization in commercial with a peak in, in March of 21, or excuse me, April of 21. And termite, I have no idea, man. All, all I know is, ter, ter, I, I have no idea. But termite. So, um, I was going to say, so do you, you know, with the commercial, is that, is there any regional? I, I just got to, I wonder, like, you know, because even in the country, right, you go to Florida, they're fully open, right? You go, say, up north, northeast, that might be a completely different scenario. Fully, so I'm just. Yeah, we're fully open too. So, so I think that that's. But, but I, I have a wonder. But 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 question on so can we say that the the industry is growing by this much or so let's say I have a large company that sells to Orkin or Terminex or or, or Renekel or whatever and they're following this uh, you know the, the, this growth but then their revenue goes to one of those big guys who it adds to their growth. Is this really, so can we say the industry's growing by this amount or each company, if, if I'm a, 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 an operator in the industry, that, that I'm growing this much? What, how, how do you answer that? Yeah, that's a good question because uh, I get the question a lot. Well, uh, specialty consultants said the market grew at uh, X percent in 2020. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, is that where you're going? Yeah. I, I can't remember what, um, I guess I could pull up my file here, but I, was it 6% or something like that is what specialty consultants said the industry was growing at? Uh, here, I'm pulling it up now. And, and, and then, and we're coming out with numbers <laughs> uh, of 20 to 20, you know, 20% in, in March and April and, uh, our numbers are a lot higher. Yeah, here it is. So specialty consultants said 3% in uh, 2020. So I just want, yeah, our index says that the market grew in 4% in 2020. If you take basically the sum of our index, all of our indices, index numbers in 2020 and divided by the sum of 2019, you get 4% growth. So our index actually very much is tracking with what specialty consultants um, has is also seeing. Uh, we are in a great agreement. Now that's, that's awesome for me for uh, the simple fact that if you have two independent sources with two very independent and different methodologies, getting close to a similar result, that's great news uh, for the industry overall. That's, that means that, hey, you know, we, we are very likely uh, the, the truth, which we can never capture the truth. We can never capture reality. We can only model it to the best of our ability. Um, you know, the truth is probably really close to what Gary and we are getting to, Dan. Um, in 2019, our, our growth number was 11. And I think that theirs was four and a half. So it's a little bit different there. I think that the reason is because the there's selection bias. Uh, Donnie, in, in that statistics course you were talking about, there's probably a whole section on selection bias. Dan, mm -hmm. the companies, your companies um, tend to be smaller. I mean, I, I have the data on each individual company, even though I don't know their names, you hide their names from me. It's just company A, B, C. Um, I, uh, I I have the data and I can see that a lot of these guys are uh, very small and, and, and the small companies tend to grow faster. Yes, they're more nimble. They can, they can hustle in a, in a way that large companies with, um, you know, lots of rules cannot. But also, it's just the law of large numbers issue as well. I mean, these guys are small, so you know, the extra twenty thousand uh, dollars a month for them will be very different than some of the larger companies. Now, that's not to say you don't have uh, large companies in in the index. You do have some bigger ones, but a lot of them are smaller, and the small ones tend to grow faster. And you should definitely discount that when you're looking at our index. In fact. Um, I, I even put that in. I'm, I'm reading off of our note right now. Uh, this is our uh, the, note, the monthly note that we put out. The smaller commercial providers in this index tend to grow at a faster clip than the large publicly traded providers. That's also true, probably for a lot of uh, privates out there. The, there's there's a lot of small, fast-growing companies in here. Again, we're not comparing the absolute numbers. We're comparing the change the directional change i think that's how benchmarking is important for your business you should use this index terminix uses this index internally rollins uses this index the big public guys take our index seriously um i think that you should as well um but use the benchmarking appropriately uh don't don't kill 
don't kick yourself because this index is growing faster. Even though it did very much track specialty consultants, and that makes me feel good that our, that our numbers are close and we're both capturing reality to a certain degree, our index is always going to be growing a little bit faster than the big public guys and perhaps your business as well. Well, I didn't think that would be, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, when you look at how many owners are the top two companies versus the market, right? And so yeah. I would trust that number way more as a business owner when you look at, well, who's reading this, right? Because there's only so many, well, two, maybe three, four, <laughs> and, then there, and then there's everyone else, right? And there's a big difference between, you know, a billion dollars in revenue and just say number eight on the PCT top 100. Like it's not totally. like it's it's a massive drop off, right? So I I, I actually like those numbers better. So uh, yeah, yeah. So good deal. I have a question for you, Tim. So this is uh, sounds like the industry's doing great and everything's good. And uh, so why are the stocks of the public companies down this year? Um, do you think it's just rotation or what's? Uh, I, I know that you're bound by certain rules and the compliance department, but in general, any insight into these uh, public companies, why their prices are down this year when they're predict, we, we, we're predicting that they're having really good years? Hang on, yeah. before you say this, before you say anything, there's there's GameStop, and if you can imagine, there's like a little picture of a kitty behind Tim. So, uh, <laughs> so I, want, I want you to explain it, right? So, yeah, yeah, definitely explain it. So. By the way, none of, none of these stocks are mean stocks yet, but maybe we can uh, maybe we can make that happen. I maybe mean, we need to go on Reddit. We I was going to say, if any of you guys Reddit. got a Reddit account, let's get it going right now. Um, yeah, that would be the fastest way you've ever seen an analyst get fired in your life. Start a Reddit account, start pumping a stock. My my career would be over. But um, but uh, yeah, no, it's a good question. It's been the bane of my existence. I can talk about this all day. The only um, uh, thing I'm bound by is I always speak to my rating. So I, I have a buy on Rollins, I have a buy rating on Terminix. I do think that they are both very much buys here. So, um, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep that in mind as you listen to me. I, I don't own either of these stocks personally. Um, I, all of my investments are in uh, indexes that are managed by other people. I, 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 don't, I don't play around with individual stocks and, and, I, and I don't own these stocks as well, but this is just, um, you know, my, my thoughts, uh, according to, uh, you know, our investment thesis and where we see the risk and reward. Now, here's the deal. Rollins and Terminix massively outperformed in 2020. Um, Rollins did because they killed it. Like they, they literally crushed it all year in 2020. They were showing organic growth. They typically grow organically five to six percent. They were they were putting up numbers like nine, ten percent during a pandemic. Um, they they just crushed it operationally, and 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 so they benefited not only for because they are known as a defensive stock and they tend to outperform during periods of uncertainty. Terminix benefited from that too, and that's why Terminix was up. They outperformed the S&P last year by twenty or thirty percent. Rollins outperformed by like sixty, seventy percent. Rollins, Rollins outperform because yes, they're a defensive stock and people flock to safety during uncertain periods like last year, but also they crushed it. Now, um, 
fast forward to the beginning of 2021 and I had I had hedge fund managers, portfolio managers calling me all the time in early January because early January is a time where everyone starts setting up for the year and and looking at their portfolio. It's a time of reflection for us personally. It's also a time of reflection uh, from an investment perspective, if you will. And people were saying, man, what are you doing? You have a buy on Rollins. This thing trades in the stratosphere at like 60 times PE. It massively outperformed in 2020. Usually when a stock outperforms that much in a given year, they underperform in the following year or actually in the following three-year compound average. It's a to rule, you know, just to normalize. So it, it kind of there, there there's mean reversion and everything and there's certain stock market too. Um so um, uh, they were all like, you, you know, this would be the perfect time to downgrade. They they have really difficult comparisons this year because they crushed it last year. They um, they massively outperformed. And oh, by the way, interest rates are going up. And uh, and this was back in January. All these guys are super plugged. So we were all talking about interest rates in like March, April, May. They were talking about it in January. They're like, you know, interest rates are going up. You know, taxes are going up. And Rollins is what we call a long duration cash flow stock, which means people expect that uh, that um, their cash that they're going to be around for 50 years, which means their cash flows. Uh, if you do a discounted cash flow analysis, which Donnie, I know I walked people through at uh, at your thing la last year. Maybe I shouldn't have. I feel like that was a convoluted explanation, but um, you know, the, the dis I, I tried to fit too much in. I won't do that next time. But the discounted cash flow analysis, you know, you look at your annual cash flows. If it goes out 50 years, it means you have very long duration cash flows. It also means you're a, a big part of your stock price is not just based on what you're going to earn this year, but based on the discounted cash flows of what you're going to earn over the next 50 years. It also means that you are highly sensitive to changes in interest rates. If you're one of these stocks where, you know, uh, you're like a biotech company and your license expires in five years. So you've got five years to make as much money as you can. Changes in interest rates aren't really going to impact you because it's all about what you're going to make near term. But these companies that are expected to be around for a long time, changes in interest rates have a big uh, impact on the, the stock price itself because it has an impact on the discounted cash flow valuation, which is ultimately how stocks are valued. And so even, uh, you know, if, there, if, if, if interest rates are going up, these equities get hammered. And sure enough, uh, that's what's going on here. Pretty much everything that these guys said, and I, I got my tail feathers ruffled a little bit. I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not downgrading these stocks, even though I had, you know, downgrade notes written. And I was thinking about, you know, you, you always have notes written before you do it, just in case anything happens. Um, we didn't pull the trigger. And the stock, and we should have because the stocks have massively underperformed. Rollins is down 20%, 25% relative to the S&P year-to-date. Terminix is down 20%. Ecolab is down about what Terminix is down, 20%. These guys have not uh, performed well. N now, though, the question is what to do with it now. I, I think a lot of that is priced in. There's no way that I'm going to, you know, saw Rollins uh, with 25% underperformance, now would not be the time to downgrade the stock. Now is the time to say, well, Rollins earnings are, or Rollins valuation is below 
where it's been in, in many, many years, you have the opportunity to get a high uh, quality company like Rollins um, at, at, at a, at not, it's not a discount. It's still very, very expensive relative to most stocks, but at a discount relative to where it usually trades. Um, so I, I actually think Rollins is very compelling here. On the Terminix side, uh, I um, am, I think that they're doing some good things on the, on the managerial side. I don't know if either of you have uh, talked to Brett Ponton or, or met Brett yet, but we've, we've spent, um, We've spent some some time with him. Not so. Not only is the economy reopening, but we think that there's some good things happening operationally. They're trying to improve their SEO, search engine optimization. They're going to the highest performing branches, which you know you guys probably have seen this too. There's a massive bell curve in terms of branch productivity, and Terminix has 350 something branches. Some of them are doing really well. Some of them. Uh, have always not, you know, done poorly. And so what Brett and his team are doing is going to those branches that have, um, you know, have consistently been high performers, performers year in and year out and standardizing those operating procedures across the branch, across the, the branch network. And believe it or not, that has not been done before. It's always been a very entrepreneurial, independent um, a culture and, and Brett, you know, what, what Brett's doing is to come in and bring a little bit of professionalism into this business. I know I said this with Nick four years ago. I was excited about what he was doing. I do think Nick did some good things. I do think Nick did some good things. By the way, we have reached out to Brett uh, through multiple channels to come on our podcast and I get cricket. So Brett, if you hear this podcast, we would love to have you. There you go. I'll, I'll send yeah. this to him. Um, But anyway, I I think that Terminix is also a very interesting one. Terminix is a self-help story. Rollins, very subject to what happens with interest rates and other things, but Terminix controls its own destiny. I like what they're doing, and I think it'll be interesting. So let me just summarize there. It sounds like what you're saying is as far as the, the stocks and kind of the bigger companies, and it sounds so counterintuitive, but we're on almost like a COVID hangover this year. In some regard. Yeah. 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 And so we once are. we get through the yeah, and once we get kind of through the COVID hangover, you you and I don't want to put words in the mouth here, but it sounds like you feel like they're really solid. It's a great time to buy and they're gonna to continue to perform. It's more of just like hey, you like we them had this twenty five percent higher, you gotta like them at twenty five percent Yeah, no, exactly. No doubt. Exactly, right. Dan. Okay. I do <laughs> have a I, I yeah, have I a question. Question. Uh, I have a question about uh, Antisemex and uh, big news. They, uh, um, you know, they were supposed to go public. They didn't. They instead moved to a, another EQT fund. What is your take on that? What do you think? Well, um, I know that Antisemex hired uh, some some banking folks to see if it would be possible for them to go public. That happened in mid 2020. Everything I'm hearing is secondhand. So through through folks like you and and others who are who are much more plugged in to the actual anti-Semix folks th- than I am. But the idea is basically that they, you know, and we see this happen a lot where it's called testing the waters, 
where companies go out and, and, you know, you put the pitch book together, you arrange your banks together. William Blair was not one of the banks on that deal because it's a, a Swedish, it, they were going to be on the Swedish exchange. We don't do that. So um, they, that, then once you get your pitch books together, you go around to the different funds, the big funds, and you say, hey, here's our company. You know, here's what we're thinking. But the rumor was, is the valuation that they were looking for during those testing the waters meetings was very, very high. Uh, I, I, I have zero opinion about whether or not it was too high. Maybe it was too low. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about, you know, I don't know. Uh, I have no opinion. I have not looked at the numbers. Um, but uh, the, the, the scuttlebutt is that they were looking for a pretty healthy valuation, something well above uh, what what um, what uh, Terminix and Rental Killer trading at, and m maybe not as high, but 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 closer to the Rollins end, end of things, which would which would have been a, a very strong ask. Now, Anti CMX is growing very quickly. They are uh, um, uh, run very well. There's a lot of confidence in the executive leadership team over there. So uh, who who knows? But I, I think at the end of the day. Some companies will say, okay, we didn't get what we actually wanted. We'll take five turns below what we wanted, but we're still going public. And some funds say, we know what this company is worth, and we are not going to compromise with, with, with the uh, public investment community. If you don't, if you don't want to pay X for this, then we are happy to do it. And so instead of IPOing below what they thought was fair value, they just um, recapitalized and put it in the next fund. And I think their view is, hey, five years from now, when we try this to go public again, you're going to have to pay a heck of a lot more for our equity than what we were offering, we were trying to give you today, uh, because the company will be that much bigger in, in five years from now. So EQT is a very shrewd uh, <laughs> um, company, and they know what they're doing. And I, I, I believe that you know, it it was good to see that they, you know, didn't try to go below what they thought it was worth. So the 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 the, the years ago, I was a trader, and um, uh, the the um, you know it, the market is always right, and you just follow the market. And so I, I kind of, you know, if the market says it's not worth it, then the market. The market is never wrong. Uh, try fighting the market. Uh, like, uh, you know, when COVID happened and everybody was shorting the market, they they, they got their butts kicked. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. So uh, um, hopefully hopefully they're right. But, um, you know, that, that that's one of the axioms that uh, we used to say. Market's always right. Just ride it. So <laughs> very good. I was going to say just one final thing and then we've got to close out and, and this has been great by the way. So let's take it back to I'm an owner, I'm a manager of a pest control company. How does this affect industry valuations? Do you see them changing? Obviously stock valuations have changed a little bit in terms of, I don't want to call it the COVID hangover, but now I've, now I've coined that term. So we are, but do you think there's going to be a change in valuations? And, and if so, what do you think they will be? And then kind of where do we go from here? And then we'll wrap up. And what drives that? What drives that? Yeah, yeah. great question, Donnie. So 
it, it, this kind of correlates to the other question that I didn't answer earlier was what do I think about 2022, which happens to be also what I think about 2023, 24, and 25, which is that the market goes back to growing four to five percent. I've seen no material change um, in, in the way things are done, except for there may have been some acceleration on residential attachment rates because of work from home, but that's a net positive. Otherwise, no material change with what's happening uh, in the pest control market overall. And when you're doing valuation work at the level where you're actually doing M&A, uh, as Dan will tell you, you're not looking at 2021. And, and you know, you're looking at 2022, 23, 24. That's what these valuations are based off of. And from what I'm hearing um, from um, uh, public providers and brokers like Dan is that um, valuations are right back where they were before. And oh, by the way, that's not just for the pest control industry. That's for uniform rental and landscaping, lawn care, basically every industry that we cover uh, other than commercial cleaning, which probably has seen a discernible increase in the valuation metrics because everyone wants their offices super, super virus protected clean now. Uh, other than that, um, valuations have, um, uh, moved right back to where they were before. And you're not going to punish a company because of the COVID hangover where you have more difficult comparisons in the second half of the year, because you know, ultimately, if you look at those two year rates, this market's been growing where it's always been growing and it will continue to do so. And that's the reason that you're investing in companies like this is because of the consistency and the reliability. Yeah, One I, final question I, I, on that, though. So, so uh, if 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 and, and this is a big if, if uh, capital gains get eliminated, what what does that do? I mean, valuations could be the same, but uh, the, the the net amount that a, uh, an owner who sells would be a lot less. Um, we're seeing a, the market is robust. Everybody's heading for the doors. They think that uh, you know that the, the, the taxes are going up, but. Um, I, you know, we've been here before and, and we'll be here again. What, what do you think? I don't really, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how that affects valuations. I think it probably does to a certain degree. But what I really think it, it affects is volume levels. Because like you said, people are running to the door now to sell their business. It may not matter uh, if it... Uh, if it turns out that it's going to be retroactive, <laughs> that's your space more than mine, Dan. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that it's definitely driving activity. Uh, the fact that people are worried about capital gains and, and other taxes and changes in regulations, I think that that's probably driving the incremental seller to the table here in a way that, you know, I, I don't know if this bubble lasts one, two, three years, but eventually you'll probably see less activity down the line. Uh, but I think that that probably affects volumes more than it affects valuations. So Great. I was just going to say the last thing is, I, by the way, thank you for that, Tim. Is it, it's not like, and, and I agree with you as far as valuations are concerned, you, you know, when you look at Rollins and you look at, you know, we're talking about the COVID hangover, it's not like the businesses aren't growing. They're just the rate of growth is, I mean, so I think it's a solid investment, right? I don't, I don't see anyone really, I mean, it'd be different if it was like, Hey, the COVID hangover is happening, and we're we're actually down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're not growing at all. We're, we're, yeah. We're, you know, that would be a completely different story, and that's not what's happening. Which just goes to show the strength, right? It's just like, hey, we had a pop year. It was great, but as far as that, we just keep trucking along, no problem at all. So um, that's right. 
that's one of the benefits of you reading about our index is that um, you can clearly see that growth is up quite a bit from 2019, right, in a normal year. So all the noise of COVID aside, this industry is still very strong, still growing. And, and these buyers of these assets are, are very smart folks. They, they know that very well. And, and, uh, and, and I hope the sellers do too. You have a very good asset. Um, and, uh, you know, valuations really haven't moved very much. I'll tell you that. That's right. awesome. That's awesome. Dan, um, anything else hey, before we close out? I had a question. Yep. Uh, can I ask a question, guys? Oh boy, it depends. <laughs> Go ahead. What you got? Well, I just noticed at the beginning of this session, uh, Donnie, um, that you introduced your company as Triangle Home Services instead of Triangle Pest. I was just mm -hmm. curious what 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 drove the decision to get into lawn care. Had you had you always been in lawn care, and this was just a rebranding effort, or or have you really taken the plunge in a different way? And if so, why? Yeah, so I can explain that real quick. Um, so one of the things that, by the way, this is the, I'm sure Dan's probably smiling, right? I got a camera. I, there we go. Yeah, he is smiling. See, there you go. I knew that was happening. Um, for, so for years, I have been against going into lawn care, and I've visited with companies. And, and quite frankly, we just have here in Raleigh, um, where we're based, uh, we have branches in Raleigh and Charlotte and you know, all over the Carolinas. And we just see an opportunity and we decided to take it. And, and so, so we, re, we, you know, we were keeping the Triangle Pest brand. We decided to add lawn care to accelerate our growth and to also provide more, more money, quite frankly, to grow the pest. And so that's what we're doing. The numbers are very much in line. How it all, you know, how it all sprays out on the, on the, and you like my term there? See what I did? Sprays, sprays out. Yeah. How it all sprays out on the P&L. That's your granule. Yeah, yeah. How it, how it all sprays out on the P&L is a little different, but at the end of the day, the net income and kind of the big drivers, I mean, it was just something that was very easy for us to add and something very easy for us to do. And, and so that's what we've done. And, and we've had a good year so far. And, you know, people complain about lawn care and how difficult it is and, you know, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it was certainly, if I had to do it again, I, I'd do it all over again. It's been great so far. So that's what I was going to ask you. So, all right. So you keep moving in that direction. Well, good luck with that, man. Yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. So we need to get the valuations of the lawn care companies up. That's what we need. I wish we could, but you know what? I, and, and I've told people, well. I've told, I'll say it on the podcast and, and I've told it to other people is I absolutely am using that lawn care to grow the pest. Right, because it's providing cash to you know to get more money to grow the pest. Because the exit, I mean, I think we all know the exit is much better. That picture is much better on the pest side than it is on the lawn side. But again, you know, there's still a lot For of that. cash in the lawn yeah. side, and nothing wrong with that at all. So on what your runway is. So yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So all righty, Tim, this has been phenomenal. Thank you very awesome. much for joining us. It's been great. It's always great bringing you on, and it's great to hear kind of where your brain's at and what we're seeing, and you know, comparing the two and and to talk about pirates and global warming. I mean, hey, it's that's great. Right. So, and our square, <laughs> our square is very important. So. That's right. Exactly right. So, all right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please remember to give us a rating and review um, for the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. And with that, we're signing off for another episode. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Thanks again, Tim. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. This was great. Right, take care.